This is the How'd You Get Into That Podcast with Graham Baldwin, episode 29. Welcome to the How Did You Get Into That Podcast. Each week, we want to bring you an inspiring interview or encouraging message to help you find and do work you love. Now, here's your host, Grant Baldwin. Hey, what's up, boys and girls? Welcome to another episode of How'd You Get Into That? My name is Grant, and it is a honor, a delight, a treat, you might say, that you would be joining us, hanging out with us today. Really appreciate it. I hope you're doing well. Hope you're having a great week so far. Hopefully, the life is just treating you good. Hopefully, you, uh, you're just feeling good right now. Hopefully, you gotta, you're doing work that you enjoy. Maybe you're going into a job right now that you, you hate. It's just not a good fit for you. Maybe you're just dreaming of greener pastures where you can uh, either find a different company to work for or start your own business. Whatever that thing is for you, I hope that you find encouragement, inspiration, tips, and tricks and strategies on this show. So thanks for, uh, thanks for hanging out with us. really means a lot. Hey, uh, before we get to today's guest, which we've got a doozy. We got a good one today. Really excited about today's guest. But uh, before we get to that, I want to introduce to you a, a new sponsor to the show. Yes, that's right, boys and girls. We have a, a new sponsor to the How'd You Get Into That podcast. Had a, uh, the sponsor reach out to us recently and uh, it's a service that I've used before that I definitely recommend. I would not put anything on this show that uh, I've not used uh, and and uh, wouldn't personally endorse or recommend. So it's a great service. But today, uh, I want to introduce to you 99designs.com. Because here's the deal. I'm a huge, huge fan and just proponent that your, your site, your information, your logo, all of that design pieces need to look sharp. Whether we realize it or not, whether we want to admit it or not, uh, people do judge books by by their covers. And so you want to make sure that what you put out there in the world, whether it's offline or online, that it looks quality, it looks sharp. So you know, listen, your, your branding is the face of your business. So make a great impression with professional creative designs from 99designs. You can go to 99designs.com slash grant and get a power pack upgrade for free. Isn't that sweet? So make sure you check that out again. 99designs.com slash grant. Get that power pack upgrade for free. All right. Today, we've got a, a great guest for you today. I'm excited to share with you Caleb. Wajik and uh, Caleb is a guy who's a, a member of the uh, the trio known as Fizzle Fizzle.co, which is a great online business community. Uh, so you might want to check that out if you're in the online business space. Uh, and then also uh, Caleb's a guy who's really he's taught himself a lot of different skills. One being uh, video and just how to do video editing. There are a lot of people that wonder how to do that. So you know, we talk a little bit about that today. But just a great interview and a great story of of, of Caleb's journey and uh, and kind of different routes he's tried, different paths that he's gone down, and how it's led to what he's doing today. So uh, enough of that. Let's get to it. Here we go. Here's my conversation for you with Caleb. Enjoy. All right. Welcome to another episode of How'd You Get Into That? Today, I'm joined by Caleb Wojcik, who is a a video extraordinaire and a guy who uh, really has a lot of different talents and abilities and skill sets. So I'm interested to dive into his story today. Caleb, how you doing, man? Doing good, Grant. How are you? Doing delightful. Thanks for hanging out with us. So you're, you're kind of a, a DIY video guy, but then you also do some stuff with, with this upstart fizzle. So for someone that may not be familiar with you, tell us a little bit about what you do. So the main thing that I do is I work for a company called Fizzle, which is a four-man team that teaches online business. And we have a community of entrepreneurs that the point of it is not to have you quit. It's not to fizzle out. And that's where the name comes from. But we have, you know, online forum, a lot of video courses, video interviews with entrepreneurs, and that's about two years old now. And so that's the main thing I do. And then on the side, I've been doing a lot of video freelancing product, like projects over the past couple of years, shooting wedding videos, shooting videos for entrepreneurs like Pat Flynn. And eventually all my friends were coming to me for video advice. So I switched my own personal site to talking about how to shoot better videos yourself. 
Nice. Very cool. Very cool. All right. Let's backtrack a little bit here. So have you always been, I mean, obviously video is kind of a, a main niche that you, you kind of, you work with. Have you always kind of been interested in video or where's that fascination come from? I've always been interested in it, but I've not always been doing stuff in it. Like I would spend all of my extra cash from caddying when I was in high school on buying movies and stuff like that. Caddying? Took, yeah. I used to caddy at a golf course for three or four summers. Nice. Up. Very cool. Um, but I only made like a few videos growing up. I was in like a film class in high school where we had to make a little video. I was in another like digital media class in college where I made a ridiculous video where Where's Waldo falls into the bad well, into a bad crowd and like has <laughs> yeah it's it's strange it's on YouTube privately somewhere. Hopefully I was gonna say please found. please yeah. tell us there's still a link out there. Yeah, I actually went to look for it the other day and I couldn't find it, so I don't know. It's on some old YouTube. I'm account not sure yet. if that's a good thing or a bad thing. Yeah. So I had like some video experience, but then after college, I had a typical corporate career. I worked at the Boeing company for three and a half years. I worked in finance, went to night school, got my MBA, and I graduated in 2008 when the economy was really bad. So I basically just got a job right in time before the economy tanked and just kind of held on to it for a few years. And during that time, I started hearing about uh, like Chris Gillibo and Tim Ferriss and all these entrepreneurial people that are writing on the internet kind of fell into personal finance because I was trying to get my loans paid off and stuff like that. And through that whole process, I got into blogging and I was blogging about personal finance. And then I got connected with Corbett Barr, which is uh, the person I work with over at Fizzle. And he was running a site called Think Traffic. He opened a part-time gig there that I applied for and got. And then I left my job at Boeing, traveled for a while, and then settled in San Diego. Nice. Very cool. All right, so let's back up a little bit. Gr- growing up, what, what was it that you were interested in? What did you want to do? I had a lot of different things. I remember in like third grade, I wanted to be a paleontologist because nice. I really liked Jurassic Park and stuff. Yeah. I wanted to be an architect. I was always drawing blueprints of houses and stuff like that. I wanted to like play music and play sports. and like every, It seemed like every year when I was a kid, I wanted to do something different. And then kind of when I got to high school, I started to learn about like the kind of life mattered more than like kind of the work you were doing, but I still took like the typical corporate path and building your resume and stuff like that. But I was always kind of, I wouldn't say I was always creative. I was always into computers. So I was like programming and making websites and stuff like that when I was in high school just for fun. But I wasn't like a painter or a musician or something like that. It was just always into the tech stuff. And I think that got me into blogging. Well, when you, uh, I mean, you said even in high school that you, you kind of recognized that the creating kind of life you wanted to have was really more important than the career you were using to get there. Where, where does that come from? Because that's obviously not something that most people pick up on until way late in the game. So obviously at a young age, you're like, all right, I got to find something that supports the kind of life that I have, even though you went down the corporate path, but obviously something triggered in your mind at a somewhat early age. So any idea where that comes from? Well, my dad was an entrepreneur pretty much his whole life. He was a drummer and organized big bands and played big band music all over. And he was also a photographer in the down season for that. So in the winter in Michigan, he was a wedding and portrait photographer. So there was always this back and forth between like the busy season of each of those and um, whether or not he's getting booked for stuff and that impact it had on my family, whereas my mom had a job at the hospital. And so I, I saw like the steady side of her income and then the fluctuations in my dad's income and how that impacted their marriage and eventual divorce. And so like I was talking about like the lifestyle part, when I was in high school and college and stuff, I wanted a steady job. I wanted something that 
wasn't fluctuating, was completely steady so that I didn't have to worry about money. And that kind of changed when I got my corporate job because I saw the company go through a round of layoffs of like 10,000 people. And so I was like, okay, well, maybe a corporation isn't how I can get that comfortable, steady lifestyle that I'm in control of. And maybe entrepreneurship is that. So it wasn't around like I wanted to like sit my ties on the beach. Like that wasn't the kind of lifestyle I wanted. I just wanted like a lifestyle that I was in control of my finances. And I thought it was at a corporation getting a steady paycheck and moving your way through the ladder. And when I got out of college, I realized, okay, maybe taking more control on your own and having more than one boss and being an entrepreneur is the best way to go. Yeah, that's super interesting. Just approach to it because, you know, like you said, gro- growing up, you're looking at two totally different approaches to business and career and life. You know, and you, between your your parents and saying, well, you know, my mom's got this steady, secure, safe job. So even though I like my dad's flexibility, let's go with the mom's route and just have that safe, secure thing, only to get into it and realize. Maybe this isn't as safe and secure as I thought because yeah, 10,000 yeah. coworkers just got the axe. So, mm-hmm. so it sounds like you know at that point you're just going, well, maybe I need to find my own thing. Yeah, that's basically what I was doing. I mean, I had gone through business school. I'd got my MBA. But it was always like pushing me towards like how to be a middle manager, not really how to start your own business. And I think that's one thing that's really lacking in business education in general. And that's kind of why I'm like doing the fizzle stuff is yeah. – like to go against traditional business education, but that's kind of how I ended up where I am now. Yeah, I was going to say that it seems like it has led to fizzle and how that's really filling that need and filling that gap for so many people of the good in a corporate setting, but it's not necessarily setting you up for success on your own. Mm-hmm. Whenever you're in college or even you're, you're getting, working on your MBA, are you just thinking, I want to have some type of corporate job or you're just kind of, you're just buying yourself time before you figure out what you want to do or what kind of path are you on at that point? I mean, it was a little bit of a combination. I went to the, um, what was it called? Like the major fair, like the first week, yeah. the freshman orientation, you like walk around all the majors. And I think I took a, like a pamphlet from every school in like at Michigan State to just kind of like figure out what you could major in and like what you would end up doing and stuff like that. And so I was like searching a lot. I remember reading books like about what you should do with your life and stuff like that when I was yep. 18, 19 or whatever like that. So I wasn't just, I didn't just like pick a major and like hope that I get a job. I was like really, really focused on, okay, what are my options? And so I ended up with two majors when I went to school. I had a supply chain management major in the business college because at Michigan State, they always rank number one or number two. And so I knew that corporations like Microsoft and Boeing and IBM and all these big supply chain needed you know, companies would come and recruit and I could get a job if I did well. So I chose that major basically for job security. And then I chose a telecommunications, digital media and technology major because I liked movies, video games, music, computers, technology, stuff like that. So I could combine both of those and I could take a bunch of classes in stuff I was interested in, but I would still be employable at the end of four years. So that was kind of my thought process is like, okay, I somehow want to merge technology and business but at a big school like Michigan State that didn't really have like entrepreneurship program that was kind of what I decided so whenever you you graduate is that when you head to Boeing yeah so I interned like the first summer I went to Japan for a month and just took a random summer job in my hometown then the next summer I worked at General Motors then the summer between junior and senior year I worked at Boeing and then senior year Boeing asked me to come back 
So it sounds like even you've got a couple different internships, working with GM, working with Boeing, and then you land the job with Boeing. At the time, are you feeling like, all right, this is it. I found my career. Or are you just feeling like, ah, it's not really it, but it's a paycheck and it just buys me time to figure out something else I want to be doing? Well, I knew my other option was to go into you know television or computers or tech or design or anything like that. And I did have an internship with a sports studio in East Lansing, but I didn't really want to work in sports media. And so this was kind of my only other option. I, I was really pushing towards a couple other things. Teach for America was what I wanted to do. I got to the final round of interviews for that and didn't get in my senior year. And then I was going to do the Peace Corps, but I was dating somebody that was a year behind me and I waited and then things didn't work out with them. And so I didn't end up doing the Peace Corps. So Boeing was kind of it was like my third option, and that's actually what I ended up going with. Nice. So it sounds like you know you're, you're trying a couple different things, but I even get the sense that none of them were anything that you're like you were dying to do. It was just kind of yeah. they were options, and so we'll just take a option. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Was that frustrating to you, or where's your head at at that point? Feeling like, all right, th- like this is the way it is. Like I just I get a job at Boeing, and the economy is getting going down, so we just settle in, and this is what it's going to be for the next several years. Or where, where's your head at at that point? Well, I knew that I could also go and get my MBA right away. Like I went the next fall after I graduated. So I knew that that was kind of something that would bide some time while a lot of my other friends weren't even getting any job offers or anything. And they were underemployed and possibly are still underemployed, you know, a long time later. So I felt lucky at the same time that I felt kind of frustrated by not doing exactly what I wanted to be doing. Did you have any sense? Or I guess let me ask you this. How long into Boeing did you feel like, okay, I know this isn't it, but I'm not sure what it is? Oh, that was, you know, six months in. Okay. It was only like five or six months when they started laying people off. So you're there for another three years, though. What are you doing that whole time that it sounds like you're just kind of hunkering down because of the economy, but are you kind of, what are you playing with on the side that you're thinking, well, let's go try this or let's go try that and yeah. see if that's it? What's coming on your radar at that point? So there were a few things. My MBA program was two years, so I knew it was going to stay that long. I had a bunch of stock that was vesting after three years. And to get my MBA paid for, for the portion that they covered and for the stock to vest, I knew I had to be there three years. So I was there like three years and some change. And I also got married right before I ended up leaving. So I was basically, I was finishing my MBA, waiting for the stock to vest, waiting to pay for a wedding and waiting for my wife to decide what she wanted to do all like at the same time. It all just kind of came together that kind year. A perfect that storm. And then worked with Corbett. Yeah. So that all like kind of wraps up. You finish the MBA and you, you know, the stock is vested, get married. All of those things kind of wrap up. At that point, do you feel like, all right, I can pull the ripcord and jump and go to do something different? Yeah, it was still super, super scary. And I did go from job to job. Realistically, I went to you know, working full time for somebody else. So I didn't, you know, not have a parachute that I, it was more just like a step down to in pay and in, in responsibility and stuff like that. But it was a step up in freedom and time and the ability to travel and stuff. So that was the biggest reason why I did it. But yeah, I did feel as ready as you can feel with, I don't know, I think I had $10,000 saved up, but, but my wife was like leaving her job completely. So we were losing an income and, we were, and I was taking a step down in pay as well. So at that point, is that when you leave Boeing and then you go to work with Corbett? Yes. All right. So how long were you working with him? Are you, or immediately are you feeling like this is it? Like I, I found the thing. Or are you still going, eh, it's closer to what I want to be doing, but it's still not quite there. 
Well, I worked for him for six weeks part-time while I was still working at Boeing before I went full-time. And so we both had a little trial run of each other and working with each other. So I knew that the kind of stuff that he was doing was the stuff that I eventually wanted to be doing. And so I knew that it was a better step. It was like, okay, maybe I'm not like getting all the way to where I want to get, but this is definitely headed in the right direction compared to you know, sitting in a corporate job and just doing stuff online and blogging and stuff in my spare time, but I'm actually doing it full-time, helping people build their businesses Gotcha. full-time online. So at that point, are you also, it sounds like you're also doing like some of the video stuff on the side and you've got, I know you had a personal finance blog and, and podcast. And so how did that kind of come into play? I was still doing the personal finance blog. I transitioned it into more talking about entrepreneurship and lifestyle business stuff. And I started a podcast through that, but I started editing videos that Corbett was doing like Skype interviews with people that needed to go into products or just on YouTube or something like that. So I got into learning video editing and stuff like that. And then my wife was getting into wedding photography. So we started to get more camera gear. And so I was experimenting more with that stuff on making videos on my own and making videos for other people. And then just started buying more equipment and just started like putting some of that stuff out there, which led to getting more client work like weddings and working with Pat. When you're doing the video stuff, are you feeling like, okay, this is it. Now we're really hitting on something that we want to be doing. Or again, is it just one of those just kind of buying time to keep fiddling with some other ideas? No, it started to feel like this is the stuff. Like, And then now it's like a, a merger of the majority of what we do at Fizzle is like video-based. At least what I end up touching right. is video-based. So it's like combining the two where I'm almost always in a video editing program at least once or twice a week. So... Or like hands on a camera kind of thing. Right. All right. Here's a question I'm, I'm trying to figure out then. So you're kind of wrapping up with Boeing. You're starting some stuff with Corbett. You've got the personal finance lifestyle blog and podcast. And you're also doing some video editing. So again, you know, you, you've got a bunch of different things that you could go. Like any one yeah. of those would be realistic, logical paths. And I think a lot of people listening, I know a lot of emails and feedback I get from people are going, I feel like I could do whatever it is if I only knew what it is. And just people just feel stuck and kind of that, that paralysis of analysis. So when you're at that spot and you've got three or four or five like realistic logical options, yeah. how do you figure out which path to take? I honestly, I journaled about it. I like wrote down each of them, figured out like why I like them, what kinds of things they would enable me to do, why I like am drawn to them, what a business in this area would look like in two, five, ten years. I was like, honestly, just like weighting all of these against each other and figuring out what the best would be. And like, that's why I stopped talking about personal finance. I felt like I had said what I wanted to say and, you know, called it a project and called it a success and then moved on to the next thing. And, and I also started to see, okay, I'm involved in way too many things at once. Like I need to simplify if I'm ever going to be good at any of these things. So the, the biggest the biggest way of just kind of figuring out for you was just to getting it out of your head and get it on paper. Yeah, yeah. Did you feel like once you started writing about it that it just started to, to crystallize more for you? Yeah, and that's also a big reason why I started doing morning pages now is because like you can think about stuff as much as you want, but it's like the act of putting what you're thinking down on paper makes it a little more real. And so even if that's just like a few minutes a day or like only a couple of days a week, like take your thought process and write it down or type it down or, you know, speak it onto just like a voice recorder because it makes it a little bit more tangible than just like all these ideas or, you know, talk to someone that's really close to you about those things. And that makes it more real as well. 
Yeah, I've always found that to be true as well, that whenever I know I'm going through a, a transition or I'm really trying to process something, then getting it out of my head and putting it on, on paper or just typing it out or just kind of thinking out loud, uh, sitting down, like you said, with a, a trusted friend or a family member or something and just talking it through, like really helps to bring some clarity. And I don't know what it is about that process, but something about just getting it out of your brain and just getting it down where you can kind of think through it in like a logical sequence, it's all of a sudden it kind of works itself out. I'm not sure why that is though, but it's interesting that it seems to happen with a lot of people. Yeah. And I have, I mean, I can go look at my moleskin little notebook and have the date from multiple years ago and see like where I wrote down these things, like which things am I going to focus on now and which things am I not going to focus on? And it's interesting, like even personal things are on there. Like, like surfing was on there a couple of years ago when we first moved here. And it was like, if I focus on surfing, I can't focus on, you know, something else. And you know, I just started surfing a couple of weeks ago because I feel like I finished some other things. And so now I can kind of start surfing. And OK, maybe that's a little too complex to like include work stuff with personal life. But honestly, anything that you spend your time on, anything that takes a lot of thought and energy, you know, can keep you from doing other things. You only have so much energy to make decisions throughout the day. And that's why, you know, really important people don't waste their time on decisions like, what they should wear. Like Obama doesn't choose what clothes he should wear because he has to decide bigger things than that. Right. And so if there's only so much energy you can have to make decisions and to get work done, then, you know, simplifying what those things are and makes it so you don't have to juggle too many things at once. Yeah, I think that's a great point. Of, of a lot of times we'd like to differentiate between our personal life and our business life, but at this at the end of the day, we're still we still have the same twenty four hours in a day, and we're still this single singular human being, and so all of our time is going to be going somewhere. And so, especially as it relates to and different phases and seasons of life that we may go through, you know, for someone with a couple of kids or maybe a newborn, their life looks different than maybe you know a single person who is trying to build a business and trying to create something. But your time is going somewhere, so you have to be able to focus it somewhere. Otherwise, it, it, you know, we all have those days where you get to the end of the day, and you're like, I'm exhausted, I'm tired. I have no idea what I actually did. I have no idea what I, if I actually accomplished anything meaningful. Uh, let me ask you this. I mean, obviously, you work with a lot of, of, of business people and just up-and-coming people within Fizzle. So what are you hearing from people, and what are you finding with people who are going, I want to be an entrepreneur, I want to start a business, I want to do something different than what I'm doing now. I just don't know what it is. So how... How do you, I mean, obviously we talked a little bit about the journaling and scribbling it down, but uh, is there anything else that people can be doing or considering to help them kind of hone in on maybe that thing that they're, that next step that they're supposed to be taking? Yeah. And that's actually what our academy was that we just had at World Domination Summit last weekend. It was finding and refining a, a good business idea. And so, you know, first you have to figure out what kind of area you would focus on. Then you have to figure out who those people are that are going to care about what you're talking about. And then you have to figure out what your solution to their problems is. And so if you don't have those three things nailed down, then typically there's no business behind it. So when you're trying to figure out what topic to cover or what you're interested in, you can list out as many as you want and then figure out, okay, who are the people that are going to care about those things? And then, you know, what's the solution that I'm going to offer to these people that care about this topic? And so it's all interrelated. But the biggest thing is really just to list them all out and you know, do pros and cons and say, you know, what the benefits of each of them are and which you're more interested in and where the audience is bigger. And like, you just kind of have to work through each of them, you know, not start to finish, but at least through like the first, you know, couple weeks of what this business would be and what you would spend your time doing. 
and and then kind of make a decision. It's fascinating and interesting that like today we have all this technology and cool tools and gadgets and gizmos. And I know we're both into, you know, the various types of tools and apps that are available to help us simplify things. But at the same time, like at the end of the day, a good old fashioned paper and pencil, a pro and con list, draw a line down the center of the page and write pros and cons for making a decision that really still works really, really yeah. well. But again, because we have so many other things that can be a distraction, we just don't think to go to that. Or we just don't think, well, there's no way that you know writing down an old-fashioned pro and con list is going to do anything for me. Yeah, and I, I did the same thing when I was leaving my job and when my wife left her job. It was like, okay, if we leave in May, what's the pros and cons of that? And it's, if we leave in September, what are the pros and cons of that? And if we leave in December, what are the pros and cons of that? So it's like, okay, we would have you know, four grand more in a few months or something that would be in savings, but I'd also be miserable for like three more months. So it's like, what's worth it? You know, like you just have to weigh it against each other. How do those things, even going back to like what you guys discussed in the academy there, where figuring out what you want to do, figuring out who's doing it and figuring out, you know, where that audience is and and how you're going to connect with them. How does that apply to a career? Because obviously, you know, we speak a lot about, you know, entrepreneurship and small business. And there's certainly a lot of people that want to do their own thing separate. But there's also a lot of people that listen to this that says, no, I'm totally cool. Like working for a company and given a choice, I'd rather work for a company. So if someone's trying to figure out what they want to do and they're going, I don't want to start my own business, but I want to work for a company. How do those same principles apply? Well, I think there's a couple ways they can apply. I think it can apply to, you know, building up your skills and making yourself you know, a linchpin of an organization to figure out, okay, what skills can I develop that if I had, like, this company would never get rid of me or would, you know, promote me to the top or do whatever you want to do within your career, what skills and expertise could you build up, you know, over the next year or two so that you are, like, the main person at that company that knows that thing? And a lot of the times, it's you have to be a little creative because, when you're at a company that's been doing things for a while, they have other processes and stuff that they're used to doing. But if you can just go outside the company or maybe to another part of the company and learn something that you can bring into your own organization, like that's a, that's a huge way that you can do it. Looking back, whenever you made some of the different transitions you've had when you left Boeing, whenever you guys started Fizzle, whenever your wife started her photography business, what kind of, of doubts, fears, insecurities were running through your mind whenever you, you made those transitions? Well, I think the biggest one is is always money. Like no matter how much money you have, it's like the first thing that comes to mind because you always think, "Oh, I'm going to end up on the street somewhere," or I don't know what people think the worst case scenario is. But I think what finally enabled me to like start planning my escape was in the four hour work week. Tim Ferriss talks about this worst case scenario. He's like, "How bad can it really get? Like, what's what's the very worst that could happen if what you're whatever you're trying to do doesn't work." And once you realize that the worst thing that could happen is probably moving home with your parents, then that's not that bad, at least for me. Like, I'd, I'd be okay. Depending on the parents. That, yeah, that was the very worst case. Or it's like, you know, you go and get a job like you had before or whatever. Whatever the worst case scenario is, it's not that bad. And I think it was Seneca that used to spend one day a month, like, in his worst case scenario. So if that was not having any money, wearing the dirtiest clothes, sleeping on the street, whatever that was, because the rest of the month, he would know that, okay, whatever happens to me, the worst case scenario, like, I just survived it. It was fine. Like, and I got by, and I would still have all of my lessons I've learned in my life, and I could still pull myself by, up by the bootstraps, figure it out. So 
once you think about that worst case scenario, it's not that bad. Yeah, and even and that exercise of thinking through that worst case scenario and going back to just the getting it out of your head, you know, because sometimes again we make the worst case scenario in our mind to be way bigger than it is, and so often you put it down on paper and you look at it and you're like, ah, I mean, it's not great, and I'd prefer not yeah, to have it, yeah. but I mean, if that's the alternative, if that's the possible downside of taking this leap, and I see what the massive upside would be then sheesh, why wouldn't I make the jump? Yeah, then, then you have to weigh the risk. You have to say, is the risk of that worth doing all of this? And, and even if everything went wrong, it probably won't get to the worst case. You'll probably you know, stop yourself short of that anyway. Nice. So you've got a, um, a course on just helping people with, with video work. So I assume that along the way that you know, you're kind of teaching yourself video work and video editing and, and you've got more and more people coming to you. At what point do you realize maybe I've got a skill set here that I could monetize, something I could do something with? Yeah, so I was blogging about entrepreneurship for a while and I kind of got like, I didn't really know what my angle was on it anymore because I'd been out of, my, out of my corporate job for a while. So I felt like I was just being an entrepreneur and I didn't really have a separate take on what it was that I was supposed to be helping people with. I wasn't really differentiated from like everyone else that was talking about entrepreneurship. And my friend Nathan Berry, who I'm in a mastermind group with, he was doing really, really well just teaching lots of different things, Photoshop design, app design, how to self-publish, things like that. And I realized I'm not teaching anything. And he said something along the lines of, you should be teaching about whatever your friends ask you about. And since I was getting into video stuff and doing a lot of video stuff at Fizzle, I knew that all of my friends that were you know, going to buy cameras to shoot videos of themselves or getting videos made by people were always asking me for feedback. And so I finally decided, okay, video is going to be the thing that I teach and share about online. And the product came about from uh, a talk that I was giving at New Media Expo. I had this 75-minute workshop on how to shoot better videos of yourself. And so 75 minutes is a lot of time to fill with slides and talking and stuff. And so I spent a ton of time researching and putting together that presentation. And at the end of it, people were like, coming up to me and asking me like do you have like a guide or something and so i was like (laughs) maybe i should turn all these slides and like put more effort into it and make a guide and a product around it so it was you know just one month after that i just committed i was like okay i'm gonna spend 30 days making a product and launching it because at fizzle we have this just ship it challenge uh, on our blog that's just you know a 30-day email course of like launching a product from start to finish so i just took it as a case study and you know expanded upon my presentation and made video tutorials and stuff like that to make it an actual guide. Yeah, and I like the two scenarios that you shared there of one, what Nathan said. And in fact, we've got an interview with Nathan. You can check out at grantbaldon.com slash Nathan Berry. But, but one of the things he said of just paying attention to what people are, are saying to you, people or friends are asking you about, and what do they come to you for? Then like you said, then at New Media Expo of, of finishing up presentation and having a bunch of people asking you questions. And so I think the, the key there is in both of those situations, you're paying attention and so many times people just, they're, they're not aware. They're, it's just, it's, uh, their radar isn't up to notice those types of things where in hindsight, you're like, well, I guess that makes sense because people kept asking me about it. So why wouldn't I do something? But if you're not thinking that way, then you miss out on that. So I think there's just a huge lesson there of just paying attention to what people are coming to you about. What are people asking you about? What are you seeming like a go-to resource? When someone has a question about X, are they coming to you? And what is that X that, that people are asking you about? Yeah, an analogy that Nathan uses all the time that I think is originally from Jason Freed is um, in a lot of businesses, like what you do is a secret. It's like a trade secret. Like you yeah. don't share it with anyone. Like at Boeing, we had so many like 
PowerPoint slides that had like proprietary information at the bottom, proprietary information, like don't let Airbus get this basically is what it meant. And <laughs> then you have someone like Elon Musk who just is like, okay, Tesla's doing fine. Here are all of our patents. Like everyone else, go make electric cars. Like it's more important that we have electric cars than Tesla holds on to their patents. And Jason Fried and the example that Nathan Barry uses, it's like chefs. Yep. Like if you were a great chef, like you wouldn't want people to know how to make whatever you make. But the people that are huge chefs, like uh, I'm trying to think of like like Emeril or something. Right. Like you know of him because he has all these recipes and he has like a TV show that shows you exactly how to cook. But that's why he's famous. Like that's why people go to big name chefs a lot is because they're famous. Like the pioneer woman, like I don't know if you've heard of her, but she just blogged about recipes and stuff and then she has her own cookbook and now she's on TV and like that's how people get famous a lot of times is just by sharing what they know about something. Yeah, which seems counterintuitive. You know, you would think that most people think more like a Boeing of like, don't let anybody see this, don't open our playbook, don't share this with anybody. But, you know, the the example, like you said, of the chef or anybody going, no, 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 this is exactly how we do it. Let me just, let me show, I'll walk you through it and mm-hmm. I'll hold your hand. And, and even I think of it as it relates to speaking, you know, I have a lot of people that come ask me of say, Hey, how do I get into speaking or how do I do this? And it's interesting because I, you know, I can hold their hand and walk them through and say, this is exactly what I've done. This is exactly what you would need to do. And surprisingly, uh, most people won't do it. You know, most yeah. people won't aren't willing to put in the work, and most people, for a variety of different reasons, uh, and so whatever that thing is that you know someone's wanting to do, realize there's there's most likely someone out there that's willing to open that playbook and say this is exactly how you do this thing. And that example actually from from Freed is from uh, that book Rework, which people, if you haven't read that book, you need to go read that immediately. It's amazing. But yeah, just being willing to to share like this is what I know, and I'm not worried about creating more competition, but I'm just saying I know that this is going to be a benefit to other people who who maybe want to do this thing as well. Yeah, exactly. I mean, how many of us have cookbooks, but we still go out to dinner? Like, yeah. it's like you still are going to need someone to do something for you. So true. Even if you know how to do it. Excellent. Well, Caleb, for people that are listening to this going, all right, I play with this uh, video stuff or I'm wanting to do my own video stuff. Where can we find out more about your, your video training? So my video site is DIYvideoguy.com and there's a free gear guide on there you can check out and I blog and write about uh, how to make better videos of yourself there. Nice. And then uh, you also uh, work with Fizzle. So for someone that may be intrigued by that going, all right, I know that the MBA is not a route that I want to take, but there's definitely some skills and business savvy that I'm missing and I need to get some training and tools. Fizzle is a great, great source for that. So where can we go to find more out about that? That's at fizzle.co. F-I-Z-Z-L-E dot C-O. And if you're a podcast person, uh, The Fizzle Show is a show that we run uh, every Friday. Yeah, which uh, I'm a subscriber, a listener, and I'm an avid fan. of. I think I've listened to pretty much every episode, and they are uh, delightfully entertaining and inspiring and informative. <laughs> so make sure... Uh, I hope you enjoyed Caleb's voice because uh, Chase Reeves, who's on episode, I think, six maybe here, uh, grantwaldo.com slash Chase Reeves. He doesn't let Caleb get many words in. so He, so, is, he is the host, yeah. He is, he is indeed. He makes that known. So, But uh, between you and, and Chase and Corbett, you guys are doing a great job and, and really appreciate the, the value that you're sharing with the, with the rest of us. Yeah, thank you. So, enjoy it, man. We'll hopefully uh, we'll have to connect again soon. Yeah, hopefully soon. All right. Thanks, Caleb. Appreciate it, buddy. 
Boom. There you go. I uh, hope you enjoyed that chat, that conversation with Caleb Wojcik. Really good stuff. Really appreciated uh, hearing his story and journey and how he's someone who's tried both the entrepreneur route, both the traditional uh, employee route. And, and here's the deal. There's nothing wrong with either route. You know, I get emails sometimes with people going, you seem to talk to a lot of entrepreneurs. You seem to favor entrepreneurs. It's like, I don't know that that's necessarily true. Like I like entrepreneurs because I am an entrepreneur, but I also like employees because they're people too. They're normal. And there's nothing wrong with having a traditional job. You know, there's some people who are like, I don't want to be an entrepreneur. I don't want to do my own thing. I'd rather work for a company. Great. That's fine. Do that. Because ultimately, at the end of the day, what this podcast, what this show is about is helping you find and do work you love. So if that means doing your own deal, great. If that means working for someone else, great. There's nothing wrong with either. So uh, I enjoyed Caleb's story of being able to hear both sides of that and finding what works for him. And hopefully, hopefully it leads you to uh, find what works for you. Hey, as always, you can find show notes, everything we discuss and talk about at grantwalden.com slash Caleb Wojcik. That's W-O-J-C-I-K. Caleb Wojcik rhymes with logic, but spelled differently. So now that I've confused you, I'm sorry, my bad. So again, check out those show notes. Also, if you haven't already, just swing by the site, grantbalden.com. There's a lot of new posts and just different blog posts that we're putting up regularly. I try to do one or two a week. Just things that get you to just think, inspire you, encourage you. And ultimately, the same thing we're trying to do with the, the podcast, but just in a, in a different format. So make sure that you stop by and check that out. Also, if you haven't had a chance already, uh, we'd love to hear uh, just your, your feedback. And so one of the best ways you can do that on the show is to go to grantbalden.com slash iTunes or grantbalden.com slash Stitcher. And just leave us a, a honest rating review We'd love to hear from you and love to hear what you think of the show, uh, how it's helped you, how it's benefited you, uh, anything that you've learned from us. We read every single one of those. And it's also a great way for our new people to find the show. So we, uh, we really appreciate you taking the time to do that. As always, you can email me if you've got questions, concerns, things that you're wrestling with or pondering. Email me anytime at grant at grantbaldwin.com. Would love, love, love to hear from you. Hey, I want to uh, tease one other thing to you. We're working on a new course right now. I think one of the, the biggest questions I get from people is I have no idea what I'm passionate about or the other extreme of I have 97 things that I'm passionate about. How do I pick which thing is right for me? And so I think ultimately what people are really looking for is clarity. If I just knew what that next thing was, if I just knew the path that I was supposed to go down, Oh, it would help so take that weight, that burden off of my shoulders. So I'm uh, I'm actually working on a course right now on this very subject. So we're uh, I'm working with a group. Uh, 15 people. We're going through kind of this beta test group and just trying to get people in the same shoes that you're in right now, same boat. So it's not just me putting together my thoughts or opinions, but I'm working with people that are in the same uh, spot as you, just going, how do we help people gain more clarity with figuring out their their career or their business or just what their next steps might be? If I just had clarity, it would just it would make it so much simpler for me to know where to go next. So we're hoping to uh, to help solve that problem for you and hopefully help you figure out what next step uh, what that next step is for you. So just want to tease that. We're working on it. We're working on it. We're in the laboratory right now. It'll be a, be a, it'll be a few months, but we're working on it. So I just want to let you know that that's coming and we want to continue to provide uh, support for uh, what you're pondering, what you're kicking around, what you're uh, trying to figure out with life. Hey, uh, one final thing we want to wrap up with another shout out for our sponsor today's show, 99designs. Listen, they, they will give you a design you love. Professional, high quality results, exciting, fast, affordable, just a great, great service that I, I highly recommend. 100% money back guarantee you got nothing to lose there. So make sure you stop by, you check out 99designs.com slash grant, and you can get that $99 power pack of services for free today. All right, that wraps up this episode. Thanks for hanging out with us, guys. Hope you enjoyed today's episode, today's interview with Caleb. Again, feel free to email me, grant to grantwalden.com. Check us out on Twitter. 
at Graham Baldwin or Twitter, depending on uh, where you're from in the world and how you want to refer to it. But we'd love to hear from you anytime. All right. Hey, you're awesome. Thanks for sharing the show with uh, your friends, family, loved ones, people you like, people you don't like. Either way, we appreciate it. And uh, we'll talk to you again real soon. Peace out. Thanks for listening to the How Did You Get Into That podcast with Grant Baldwin. Don't forget to visit grantbaldwin.com for all the show notes and links discussed in today's episode. We'll see you next time.